Hello, adventurers, and welcome to the World of Azuria podcast. My name is Beth Ball, and I'm the author of the Age of Azuria high fantasy series, which we'll be exploring in this show. In some episodes, we'll be swept away into the high fantasy world of Azuria as I read chapters from the novels and stories. In others, we'll dive into some of the lore behind Azuria, and I'll answer your questions about the world, characters, and more. If you enjoy high fantasy worlds, immersive settings, nature-based magic, and vivid characters, then this podcast is for you. In our first season, we'll explore Aurora, the prequel novella for the Age of Azuria high fantasy series. This is episode four, and we will be reading through chapter four of Aurora. So let's start our adventure. Large eyes and sparkling wings flickered between Yvain and her book. She squinted and sat back. Why would the fairies be interrupting her work? The four of them chittered at once, tiny mouths appearing on their bark-like skin. Slow down, slow down, Yvain said in Quirin, hands raised. Though their voices were high-pitched, they were easy enough to understand when only one fairy was speaking. But as more voices joined, their language drifted into the cadences of nature, disguised to outsiders to protect the fairies' home in the bright lands or beyond. They panted in their excitement, the sound conjuring an invisible brook gently trickling over a rocky bed. Trieste, what is it? She looked to the eldest of the rescued fairies who had taken up residence in her library. The tiny woodland being flew a little higher, shoulders back to assert her elevated position. Visitors! Outside! she exclaimed. One is new and one is not! New and not? Yvain scowled. Speak plainly. Do you know who is here? She rose and strode out from beneath the library's expanse toward the center of the ancient tree she'd made into her home. The fairies gasped, wind whistling through the trees, and scurried after her stomping footsteps. Yvain plucked her longbow from its resting place against the central column and slipped her quiver onto her back. "'It's Cassian!' Millicent, one of the youngest fairies, cried. "'Cassian and a friend!' Curious. She hadn't heard from the Saudad leader in years. Why would he show up unannounced outside her home hidden away in the Frostmaw Mountains? "'Wait for me here,' Yvain commanded. She ran her fingers along the feathers behind her head, withdrawing the arrow whose tip was covered in poison. Her enemies would be able to sense a powerful spell, even as well hidden as she was, but other natural impediments weren't as easily tracked. The midsummer's evening air was crisp due to the altitude as Yvain stepped outside. The fairy's pet fireflies shimmered low along the ground, searching for the treats the tiny fae had asked her to hide in the low mountain grasses. "'There you are,' a familiar baritone called from across the clearing. Cassian would have known that she lived in the giant oak tree and not one of its ancient neighbors. Yvain narrowed her eyes. A fine night for finding friends, she answered, the first half of their code to test the other's identity. The Saurad laughed. And a verdant evening for vanquishing foes. Cassian stepped out from beneath the tree's branches with his arm around the shoulders of a woman with bronze skin and long, wavy black hair. Yvain tucked the arrow back into its quiver and waited, hands open at her sides in a gesture of welcome. The woman with Cassian regarded her dubiously, her lips pursed as she took in Yvain's long fey ears and the dark gray tattoos that covered her sepia-hued skin. Moonlight winked off the Saudad's wide smile as they approached. He paused a few paces away and bowed deeply. "'My love, this is the one I have been telling you about.' 
He rose and gestured to Yvain. My friend, I am introducing you to my darling, Esmeralda. The dark-haired woman inclined her head and grinned at Cassian. Please, come inside, Yvain said. Enough had been declared to the wilds where unseen forces had begun to stir. Yvain ushered them down her glowing entryway, lit by small orbs of yellow light, and into the primary chamber of her home. Cassian and Esmeralda settled onto moss-covered stumps while Yvain prepared a kettle for tea. The fairies, ever curious, floated overhead. "'We come with what we believe to be grave news, Vara,' Cassian began. "'My Esmeralda has been having visions, and we have arrived with hopes that you can help her to make sense of them.' "'Though I was not born to this odd people, I have been gifted with their sight,' Esmeralda quickly added. The scent of sage drifted off the couple. Was Esmeralda a druid then, like Yvain herself, and did that explain why Cassian had brought her here? She set the matter aside for the present. Very well, Esmeralda, what did you see? Yvain's dreams had been troubled of late. Their enemies moved, she was certain, but the cause was as yet unclear. However, she wanted to hear the young woman's report before mentioning her own concerns. A young half-elven woman stands in front of a snow-covered city built on a plateau in the mountains. In the center of her chest, a red light glows. Her dark ruby hair whips about in the cold winds, and all around her, a howling. In the dream, it is clear to me that she is in danger, but I am unable to act to warn her. She stands alone, staring at the city, as the shadows about her grow. Esmeralda shuddered and looked down into her teacup. What is it? Yvain leaned forward. The red glow, it could be. She has awoken screaming from the dream each night for the past three nights, Vara, Cassian said. I thought it was time she came to see you. Esmeralda, is there anything more? The glow or the shadows? These signs had occurred before. The young woman ran her fingers through her hair. These last few nights, the girl, she is... Esmeralda sniffed and wrapped her arms around her waist. At the end of the dream, she is consumed by terrible shadows. A gaping mouth appears in the silhouette and engulfs her. She screams. Hmm. Yvain stood and began to pace, asking Esmeralda clarifying questions and carefully pursuing each detail. The snowy city in the mountains was likely Hadvar, the kingdom a few days northwest of her home. But if the young woman was staring at the city from outside it, she had to be elsewhere. There is something else, Yvain, Esmeralda said. It is not only in my dreams, but in the cards as well. These last four days, my readings are the same. The woman drew a worn deck of violet-backed cards from her satchel, shuffled through them three times, and began to lay them out, sifting through with her left hand to select each one with her eyes closed. She laid three in a line, then one on top and one below. The earthen floor hummed with life, natural energy coursing toward Esmeralda. Yvain inhaled deeply as waves of rosemary wafted toward her, twirling through the sage. In my readings, Esmeralda explained, I ask the spirits first to show me where I am, second, where I should go next, and third, what lies further ahead. She overturned the first card, the high priestess. Myself, a figure seeking to expand her wisdom. The second read, the hermit. Eerily, a sepia-skinned woman with an antlered headdress stared back at Yvain from inside a circle of ancient trees, a single light glowing behind her head. The woman held out her hand, beckoning the viewer closer. 
Cassian cleared his throat. In this particular circumstance, we thought this might symbolize you. His dark brown eyes flashed as he grinned at her. Yvain raised an eyebrow. Even amid heightened danger, Cassian found the humor in his circumstances. I understand why you might associate this image with me. I am pleased you came here. The bright smile glowed against the dark stubble that grew along his cheeks. Esmeralda, do continue, Yvain said. Her hands shook as she reached for the third card, the magician. Like the woman Esmeralda had described from her dream, the figure on the card had flowing red hair, and Yvain had only seen eyes of such intense green a few times in her long life. Plants flared to life beneath the woman's feet, and the six elements glowed in orbs around her. Further back, a pair of wolves howled before a silhouetted forest. This card says much, does it not? Yvain asked. It does. Esmeralda's voice faltered. She is one who brings forth what is unseen. She makes it real. But the remaining two complicate this reading. Esmeralda flipped over the top card, the moon, and the lower card, the tower. Whenever I continue this reading, other patterns emerge across a variety of paths, each branching from this foundation. The woman's hazel eyes burned. Please, Yvain, have you an idea of what this means? Can you guide me? I think it is you who is guiding me, Esmeralda, Yvain said softly. The tower, it signals great change, does it not? She nodded. Followers of Cassandra at times debate whether or not this earth-shattering change can be a positive sign as well as a dark omen, but what is it that you believe? Yvain interrupted her. The Sadad had taught her long ago that a fortune's choice of vessel was just as important to pursuing understanding as the fortune itself. I believe it is deliberately ambiguous, especially at this rooted position in the fortune. However else the rest unfolds, whichever fate emerges, great change must occur. It is inevitable. Thank you so much for joining me for today's adventure through Aurora in the world of Azuria. If you'd like to find out more about me or my fiction, you can find me at bethballbooks.com. You can also find my books worldwide at your favorite bookstore or ask your local librarian to add them to the library catalog. Episode 5 is going to go into more detail about Esmeralda's tarot reading. If you'd like to read more about it between now and then, I have a special post on the blog at bethballbooks.com forward slash aurora dash tarot where you can read a little bit more about the individual cards and how Esmeralda is interpreting them if you are curious about or interested in tarot and or her, um, her fortune. To stay up to date with the world of Azuria and be the first to know about upcoming fiction projects, visit bethballbooks.com join. I would love for you to be part of my reading community, The Story Enclave, and as a special thanks to you, for a limited time, you'll receive a free ebook copy of Aurora when you sign up. You can find out more about the world of Azuria, including a lovely fantasy map at bethballbooks.com welcome. And the story enclave this week just got an advanced preview of the, well, a book cover reveal for the newest upcoming novella in the Age of Azuria series, Story Magic, which I believe will come out June 1st, but I'll be sure to let you guys know when that's firmed up a little bit more. 
If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at BethBallAuthor or on Twitter at GroveGuardian. Today's episode is sponsored by the first novel in the Age of Azuria high fantasy series, Buried Heroes, available at BethBallBooks.com shop or at your favorite bookseller. Happy travels, and I hope that we'll be adventuring together again soon.